This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Happy Friday night. Welcome into the Illini Enquirer podcast. I'm Jeremy Warner. We're going to have a rotating cast of characters. Joey Wagner was sipping on a White Claw. I was going for a walk after spending all day with my kids, getting some alone time, uh, and I get alerted that, hey, Illinois just got a monster commitment. Illinois basketball lands Baylor transfer Matthew Meyer, the number 12 transfer in the portal, according to 24-7 Sports. Joey, we can't take we can't take a night off. I was having a nice, relaxing day. Didn't think this would happen so quickly. I knew Meyer would make a, a quick decision here, but wow, what a get. We'll talk all about it. We'll talk about the basketball fit, what this could look like. But I just sit here and think, Illinois basketball, man. They're back. They're beating North Carolina for a for a go-to transfer here. Yeah, is it, is it Meyer Day weekend or is it Mullet Day weekend? Wh- which is it? Can, title it now. Can, can can I can I say something? I did see a picture of him at the um, the combine. I, I, did, I did not see the party in the back anymore. So I don't. He, maybe you can grow it out. Um, I need confirmation. I saw one picture on our Getty service that did not have the extra in the back. But I don't want to start. Down. I don't want to start down. this pod on a bad note here, Joey. No, huge win, Jeremy. I mean, this is, you know, I, I think we, we talked so much and it felt like, you know, Pete Nance, because we thought maybe Meyer would stay at the combine deal and, and you know, North Carolina was a major player here. The top four comes out last night. And I think we were like, okay, this might take a little bit to play out. And you, you start to see little tea leaves here, tea leaves there. And then he's just like, oh, the, the heck with it. Friday night, let's go. And that, Jeremy, this, the depth, the talent, I mean, it just changes so much about, I know you'll get to your tweet just with, with the potential starters and their height. Six, nine can play two through five for those of you who still care about numbers and they matter. But the point being, he's versatile. He can score the ball. He can shoot the ball. It's everything Brad wanted, right? When we've talked to Brad about what they want to be fast, versatile, shoot, run the whole deal. Matthew Meyer comes in along with Terrence Shannon. It's like just two perfect seamless fits right there and just take off and go. I think most people listening to this podcast know about Matthew Meyer by now and who he is, you know, where he played. But for for people that don't, I don't want to assume everybody doesn't. uh, He played four years at Baylor. Uh, Brad Underwood had recruited him. Uh, when he was at Oklahoma, when Brad was at Oklahoma State, Matthew Meyer was a top 100 prospect uh, out of high school. He's from Austin, Texas. Um, so you thought Big 12, he, could he stick it? Could he go to Texas Tech, even though that's not close to Austin, as I found out in my research? Um, but North Carolina was a seamless fit, right? Brady Manick had such a, a great season, and while they're different players, they could play a similar role on, on what is going to be a great North Carolina team. But Matthew Meyer, two years ago, was a key bench piece for that Baylor team that won the national championship, for that Baylor team that beat Illinois 
in Indianapolis. You were there, Joey. Uh, Average eight points a game, shot 48% from the field, 39% from three at 6'9", 215. Uh, and, and he's a guy who's got some quickness to him. Maybe not the most athletic, but he can get out and run and dunk. Uh, that's not a problem for him. Last year, got, became a starter as they lost all that talent to the NBA. And he wasn't as efficient, right? Maybe he didn't become the star everyone thought he would last year. Average a, a little bit more points per game, about 10. But his numbers, his efficiency numbers went down, Joey. Went 40% uh, from the field, 32% from three. Maybe he was forcing some shots at times but still was a key part of what was a number one seeded Baylor team that lost to North Carolina. Um, and and you, he goes to Illinois where I think he's going to have a huge role. Uh, he could be one of the top scorers on this team along with Terrence Shannon, RJ Melendez, Coleman Hawkins, Sky Clark. Um, but man, what a get he is, a proven commodity on a team that doesn't have a, a lot of proven yep. commodities, but certainly does now after landing Matthew Meyer and Terrence Shannon. Yeah, that, that's the thing. When we talked about this Illinois team for months, Jeremy, it was they've lost so much experience. Like, that was kind of like a little bit of the calling card last year was these guys have been through everything there is to go through in college basketball. Rebuilds, number one seeds. I mean, they had it all. Like, every box was checked. And then as they exhaust their eligibility, as they go to the draft, as they hit the portal, and in some cases, it's like, oh, that's kind of gone a little bit. Like, Coleman Hawkins has been around – uh, he'll go into his third year. He's seen, you know, something. He's been part of a lot of success at Illinois. RJ Melendez got last year. Luke Goody got last year. But you just felt like you wanted just a little bit, have seen kind of the fire around them and know how the heck to get out of it. You know, like that's what you kind of felt like you wanted out of this Illinois team. And I thought they did address that with Terrence Shannon. And then you really doubled down for a guy who's been to the national championship game, who's won a ton of games, Jeremy. Like, Baylor won so many games when Matthew Meyer was a part of that. It, really incredible run. I'm glad you mentioned the Indianapolis game because I didn't want to ask Brad about that because we knew there was interest in Matthew Meyer, and I'm sure, like, he would have been like, no, what? No, I don't recall the game because you don't want to like, get in trouble. But, like, I've always thought that game, and I know they had three, like, incredible guards, but I always thought that game was kind of in a nutshell of what Brad wanted to be post-Kofi and you're starting to see the pieces line up right now. You might have taken my lead for a column because remember before that game, after me. after that game, well, no, I was thinking about this before, but it's just you, you're <laughs> segmenting me. You're getting good at this podcasting and transitioning. He raved about Scott Drew's program, raved about what they were, what they epitomized, how they played, how tough they were, how versatile they were. You could tell he wanted that, right? And it's not that like, Io DeSumo was great. Um, Kofi Coburn, great. Trent Frazier, all these guys. But you could tell eventually that's what he would love to be. And, of course, Baylor went on to win a national championship and only reemphasized all that. But you could tell it was like guys like Jared Butler, of course, that he liked. But it was also guys like you know Donovan Mitchell who turned himself from a not-even-draft prospect to a lottery pick because he's just tougher than everybody, right? And, and he's gone on and, and had a good role with the Sacramento Kings. But even guys like Mark Vidal, he loved him. And, and did he find that guy in Ty Rogers? Matthew Meyer, right? Like that kind of player he just hasn't had on his roster. Now you have a couple of them. But instead of just, uh, you know, looking at 
Scott Drew and his program saying, I'm going to find guys like that. He goes, I'm just going to take a couple of those guys. So he takes Dane Danger, takes Matthew Meyer. Uh, and speaking of Meyer, he's obviously been to a Sweet 16 in the National Championship game. Terrence Shannon has been to an Elite Eight in a Sweet 16. Uh, nobody in the Illinois programs had that kind of experience in 16 years, Joey. Yeah, that matters. Now, I, I don't know, like, that was, like, the chief thing that we, we would say they were lacking in, in years past. But I think, like, there is something that matters about that, especially when you're playing. Like, the Big 12 is a pretty good conference. Like, those teams go places. And you're just, like, Brad Underwood, it's going to be, like, the Big Ten's going to be here in terms of, like, some stylistic things. And Brad Underwood is trying to find himself over here and a little bit more like some of those, those long teams that, that do those things. And then you just go get the guys like that's yeah, I, I want to zoom out a little bit, Jeremy. I know we're kind of bouncing all over the place. There's going to be a revolving door of people, but think, imagine like you're walking through a neighborhood of college basketball programs. Like every house is a program. You can't walk by Illinois. anymore. You can't just walk by and not notice that they're there. They are making waves. They're making themselves known in this universe. And I know that sounds stupid about a team that has had the like the storied history that Illinois has, but it's been a while since it's been this discussion. And you can go back to Io, and you can go back to 2019, and it wasn't just flashing the pans. It wasn't just, hey, we got an Io, and we're going to ride this wave until he goes to the NBA. It's continued. Yep. Like that's the thing that matters. It's not like you get it's not a one or two off where you get a guy, and it's like, oh wow, this is awesome. He's going to go, and you're going to come back, and you're going to finish fifth or sixth in the Big Ten. It's like you get a guy and then you stack and you build. And that's what Brad has done with the new freaking coaching staff. <laughs> well, here's the new the, coaching staff. Here's the thing. You lost great players. Trent Frazier, Jacob Grandison, I think we can assume is gone at this point, right? Kofi Coburn. Um, and, of course, a couple years ago, you lose Io DeSumo and, and, and good players as well. Adam Miller, Andre Carbello. Andres Feliz. Yeah, Andres Feliz a couple years ago. And, and Andre Carbello goes out the door. You have just added seven players, Joey who are all former one top 110 prospects, right? Including three top 50 guys that are freshmen in this class with Sky Clark, Jaden Epps, and Ty Rogers. So the future is bright, and those guys are all going to make an immediate impact. And then you add two of the top transfers in all of the transfer portal who have proven themselves as high-impact Big 12 players in Terrence Shannon and Matthew Meyer. And they're both long. They're both athletic. They both are versatile, and you now have, according to 24-7 Sports, the number two transfer class in the country on top of a top 10 prep recruiting class in the country. The only teams above Illinois in the overall transfer ratings that I'm glad 24-7 Sports is doing. Duke, Arkansas with 11 commits, by the way. Texas, Kansas, Alabama, Ohio State. Those are the only programs that have added more talent according to these rankings. And will it all work out? I don't know. How would it all work out? I'm not sure. There will be ups and downs as this team learns how to play together. But you talked about it simply. Talent accrual, ridiculous right now for Brad Underwood. It's insane. And, and Jeremy, they beat North Carolina. Like, this is the team that returns basically everybody, right, from the team that was a runner-up a year ago and who desperately wanted Matthew Meyer. Like, it wasn't just North Carolina was like, I don't know, it'd be cool if we got him. It was like, let's get this cat. And Brad Underwood goes out and does it, and now Mike LaTulip's here. <laughs> and Mike, gut, gut instinct, first thought right now. Um, 
couple expletives i think i, I said when i i was just i was just casually scrolling through twitter i, I didn't expect a friday afternoon or early evening news dump just, and just a friday scroll. casual scroll the cash yeah i had i had to check if it was a rothstein burner like if it was a if there was actually a check mark next to it because it was what a, what a way to go into the weekend right I, it's just there's a lot that I, I don't know how long you guys have been recording but there's a lot of ways to go with this but i came into the back half of you talking about unc and that's it's a coup it's a recruiting coup I, mike what, is, what do you think this says about the program uh that's kind of we focused more on just the the general i, I want to dig into the the fit i am so fascinated by how illinois is going to play what they can do so well because i think they're the longest most athletic team in the big 10 now but they also have some questions right so i want to get into that with you but I mean, what a roster reset of talents he has accrued and two high-impact proven transfers in Terrence Shannon and Matthew Meyer. This is going to be – this is the way it has to be now. This is the – gone are the days, right? I know we've talked about it ad nauseum, but gone are the days of just, hey, we got our guys and let's see what happens over the next four years. It's a year-after-year year thing. And that's why I'll say with this staff, man, credit them. The, the patience game – Right, a lot of you, there's you could have panic set in. You know, you want to put together a roster, but you want to wait because these these deadlines are pushed out so far now with the NBA draft, with guys withdrawing, and and this what this was the plan. This was hey, these guys are going to withdraw, and we're going to be sitting here in position to be able to pick a few of them up. And you get a guy like Matthew Meyer. Yeah, we'll get into the fit. We'll get in like you talked about beating out a team, you know, a program like North Carolina coming off of the season that they came off and, and the run that they had, but it's exciting. I think if you're these guards for Illinois, you better be getting in good condition. Cause you got, you just picked up two transfers who thrive in transition period. Matthew Meyer and Terrence Shannon. That is, even if you break it down, if you're, if you're watching the game or if you're going on synergy, that's where they grade out the best in transition. So if you're those guys, it's get it, it's go. And, and it's going to be an exciting brand of basketball, man. Joey, I am, I am thinking of the guys on the message board who who had already kind of said, oh, that's not going to happen, and they already moved on to the next targets. Or or the guys who wanted to get the layup guys early in, right? Like, get the guy who's okay. Yeah, it, the, the patience Brad showed, his coaching staff showed with Terrence Shannon, and now with Matthew Meyer. Mike, I wanted to ask, like, I know it's not like apples to apples, but you've put together rosters, and maybe you think something's going to fall one way, but it takes a little time. Like, how do you – keep that patience because so much can happen right like what do you imagine the key would be for brad to, to just trust what he, he believes or, or trust intel or what, whatever the case may be like how do you think they do that well it's funny you mentioned that i remember calling jeff alexander when i was doing the tvt stuff it's like how do you guys do this man i'm trying to figure out if we get this guy but if he doesn't come what like do I keep recruit like how do I do this do I focus on just filling the team out and figuring out like, how do I do this and he you know he had some very great points where there's just hey there's always contingency plans you can't just say this is our guy let's go after him and if it falls through be like all right well now what so that is I'm sure that's how they approach this is just here's priority a but if that doesn't happen you know this happens then what and you have all those contingency plans in place, but they're in a position now, what they've done over the last few years to be at the top of guys' lists, right? It, you know, it, it's one of those things with 
with Matthew Meyer in particular that I look at and I say, I saw all the Brady Manic uh, comparisons. And it, it's funny, uh, you, your, your guy's boy, Isaac Trotter, he and I were actually talking about this last night. It was, it's, it's crazy because if you watch both players, they're really not that similar other than the obvious, right? So what you're getting and the natural fit, honestly, you look at that top four that Matthew Meyer had, it was Illinois that, that made the most sense. It was just a matter of, you know, whether or not he was going to buy into the manic stuff or disregard Puff Johnson and, and Leaky Black as being guys that were going to play a ton of minutes for that North Carolina team. It made a lot of sense. But, but to your point, Joey, you always have to have those plans just in case. I know all the Pete Nance talk, right? And it seemed like that was a more nat- like natural fit. And now what happens if he stays in the draft or if he comes back? It's just you have to be prepared because especially in this day and age, it can change overnight. So credit, I mean, like I said, credit to staff for sticking with it and going and getting the guy that is going to impact the second he steps foot on campus. Speaking of contingency plans, what was your guys' favorite moment of the Mikey Hen era? Uh the, the, the couple hours, I guess, we, we get to think of him. Um, Mike, what was what, what Illinois getting in Matthew Meyer? I want to talk about all the pieces together, but just him as a player, what is Illinois getting? I know we've we've beaten the versatility drum like crazy, but it's true. That's, that's what you're getting. I, I think if you are thinking 6'9", pick and pop, he is that but he's a lot more than that. And when I say a lot more than that, I mean, buckle up because there's a lot of stuff that he does that will make you go, whoa, both good and bad at times. Some of it can be shot selection. It's part of the reason why as he got more opportunity, as he went from two and a half attempts from three his junior year to last year, having about 4.1 attempts a game from three and almost, you know, going from 6.3 field goal attempts to 8.8. That doesn't seem like a lot, but it is. And I think the, you know, his role in that offense last year at Baylor, he was in a position where he took some more, I guess the degree of difficulty was higher than it was when he had Jared Butler, Macy Oteague, Davion Mitchell, uh, much more catch and shoot opportunities. He was doing a lot more off the dribble last year. And that was the reason why he had that dip in, in percentage. But I, it's, it's really fascinating when you break down the numbers for him. And I'm going to say this, and you're going to be like, hey, Mike, maybe go back and check that again because it doesn't sound right. But when you break down his spot-up opportunities last year, he was in the 91 percentile when he was guarded. And when he was unguarded, he was in the 16 percentile. It's crazy. I think that his unguarded shots was something like 9 of 34, and his guarded shots were like 18 of 40, which is getting close to 50%. So you imagine that that's going to make its way. Water's going to find its level there. Right. He may not be as good guarded, but he's certainly going to be better unguarded. So uh, you, you expect a, an increase there. But look, it, it, as you break down all the synergy numbers, I think the thing that sticks out to you the most, especially offensively, is there is this laundry list of possessions that he had in different spots, right? You talk about pick and roll ball handler, almost 50 possessions last year. For a guy six nine, that's insane. You look at isolation you look at handoff you look at off the screen you look at post up pick and roll man he had a couple possession of those where he's setting in the screen he's rolling so he does a lot man and and I think he is in a position this year especially with the pieces around him man like I said if I'm these freshmen I'm licking my chops because if you're if you're a guy that wants to play fast you got you got the guys around you to do it yeah and, and obviously Mike 
this team is so long. It is so athletic. Like I tweeted out last year's backcourt, right? Or last year's starting lineup. 6'1", 6'1", 6'3", 6'10", 7 foot. Not, not a bad front court when you got Coleman and Kofi there. But this year, you have 6'3", Sky Clark or Jaden Epps, whoever you want to put there. Um, probably Sky Clark. Then Terrence Shannon, 6'6". RJ Melendez, 6'7". Matthew Meyer, 6'9". Coleman Hawkins, 6'10". Dane Danger is 6'9". Um, Ty Rogers is 6'6". Luke Goody, 6'6". 6'7", probably at this point. That's that's so much more length. That's so much more versatility. And Brad Underwood said he wants to play faster, be more versatile. H- how do you think this all works? I I don't know how much time it's going to take, but I feel like it's going to be entertaining. Like I, th- this is going to be a fun team to watch. It's going to take time, like anything. Look at look at that Michigan team last year. I know it's a little bit different because it felt like the majority of their guys were were true freshmen, and you have some of that with this Illinois team. I, I wouldn't expect, you know, them to start the year 16 and 0. I, I know how exciting it is right now, but you're going to have the acclimation process. And I've said it before, but you can, you can say, Hey, they have a whole off season or, you know, a spring. And then they have the summer when the guys get on campus and then they have the fall and then they have the season. It is different. It's just different when the lights are on, right? Who, who the guys that really blow up in the summer and look great, Things can change when minutes get allocated, shots get allocated. All that stuff has to come into account here. And, and you're looking at a guy like Terrence Shannon and a guy like Matthew Meyer, who, let's be real, these past couple of years in, in the Big 12, they haven't been the guy, right, on, on their team. And, and if you look at this Illinois roster, you can still sit here and ask yourself who that's going to be. So that's going to have to work itself out. I know I, I've, I've talked about role identification like crazy, but the quicker that they can figure that out, and, it, and it's going to be a process, the better off they are come February and March. But this isn't going to be one of those situations where, hey, if they drop a questionable one in late December or early January, start hitting the panic button. That's just It's not going to be it. It's going to be a whole long process. So it's, I just mentioned that Michigan team. And think about when they started to come around. I mean, that was truly mid-February where you're like, oh, yeah, you know what? They could beat some teams. Mm-hmm. So – going to be a process but man you're you, all you want to do is put yourself in a position with the pieces right if you have the pieces i'm even sitting here just like writing it out sky rj ty ty rogers matthew meyer coleman hawkins there's so many fun lineups to play with and how that all gets shaken out who steps up where who decides to step up and be a leader that's what makes all this fun man mm-hmm. Mike, explain this to me like I'm five. Like Michael Scott here. You you played out there. When the lineup is six three to six ten, and, and like it's that, what does that like actually do on the floor when you have that much length and size? The, the court looks different. That's for sure. Uh, it looks, you know, it, it looks way more congested. Driving lanes you think are there are not there because of the ground that's covered. Think back to that Baylor game. If we're on the Matthew Meyer topic, think back to that Baylor game a couple years ago. It was. The, the, the crazy thing about it, I'm watching Adam Miller and the, the space that you think you have, whether to drive or even catch and shoot, those gaps close so much quicker than you're used to. And it's a rhythm thing. You're not in rhythm as an offense. It's, you know, you're seeing bodies everywhere you go. If you have a team that's actually bought into playing great defense and also has that length and size, that's a whole nother story. 
because now you have the discipline aspect to it to where you truly feel like there's nowhere to go. And you look at all the teams in the tournament this year that were great, that, that played really well and made it far. It's those teams that raised their floor because every single night they rolled out there, they had those intent or they had those measurables, if you will. You know, and it's the Houston's. It's even North Carolina had that size and had that length. Those are the teams that can go far because when you're relying on just the shooting and the, you know, the, the three-point variance game to game, that's when you can start to see early exits, right? So it, it's, it's something that this Illinois team hasn't had, I say, over the years. I mean, when is the last time that they've even had – you think about D. Darren and Luther. I mean, that this is even a bigger lineup than that, a longer lineup than that. And, and you know, I'm not comparing it to that, but it's going to be different. So it, it makes the game more difficult. It's harder to game plan for because as much as you want as a Big Ten team – think about this. As a Big Ten team, hey, we're playing Illinois scout team. Let's replicate it. You can't. You can't. As much as as much as you want to go out there, I had my fair share of scout team minutes, <laughs> but I can't sit there and you know replicate Karis Levert, right? <laughs> I, I can I can wear the Karis Levert jersey, but I can't replicate it. They give it's you just, like brooms different. for that. They give you like broom. It's handle. different when you're out there. I remember my freshman year, the scout team was the managers, and they just wore football pads. That was like the closest closest <laughs> we could get to replicating any of it. So. That's going to be the part of it, too. You can scout for it, and you can be Chris Holtman, and you can be Matt Painter and be like, hey, team has a lot of length. They're great defensively. It's going to be a different story when you get out there and you see it. So who do you think – I'm trying to think of who this impacts most. Like, we knew they were going to add somebody here, right? Yeah. Like, obviously, Dane Danger now slides into more of a, a rotational role instead of a, hey, this guy needs to play 25 to 30 minutes, which I don't think was ever going to happen. But – who, who else is, is – is he's obviously stealing minutes from Luke Goody and Ty Rogers, which maybe isn't a bad thing. You know, Goody's obviously going to play on this team. Rogers obviously going to play on this team. But who does this impact most, whether it's positively or, or somebody now that has a tougher chance for playing time? Yeah, you mentioned, you mentioned Ty and, and Luke Goody, and you mentioned, you know, whether it's R.J. Melendez, you know, Sincere Harris in certain, in certain parts, whether or not you want to throw him in the three, four-guard lineup. But I think it's good because you have experienced guys. You have a Matthew Meyer who is not only just one, but has won the ultimate prize. He's won a title. And being able to have that holdover to let these guys get their feet wet without having them get out there and play crazy extended minutes. And I'm, I'm not only just talking about Ty Rogers and some of these other guys, I'm talking about Dane Danger. Because as much as we want to talk about how excited we are and how he possesses this and that and has this skill set, he is a freshman. I, like, I don't care what his actual age says, he's a freshman. And we have to, we have, to have our expectations, you know, accordingly, right? And he, I think this, this helps that. First, like, I think this yes. really helps that, make it more realistic. Yeah, and, and this is – you're going to – he's going to have freshman moments, right? I think everybody loves what he brings to the table, but it's going to be a process with him. And I think the good part too, you're bringing in somebody that's familiar with him, uh, that played with him, that was teammates with him. Um, all that's great. And I, I think the, the more, I think the staff's done a great job of bringing in pieces that make sense without it completely shutting the door on somebody else that could, that could blossom throughout the season. I think there's, there's an art to that, to where you're not having guys that are stepping on each other's toes. You can truly formulate the system to where everybody can get a chance to prove that, hey, I'm a guy that can contribute in big moments. And, 
you know, but you know how it is, Jeremy. We talk about this every year. As much as we want to sit there and say, like, these are 11 really good guys that could play, it's going to be eight. It's going to be eight. And in most cases, I don't know what the Pat Riley is. It's like eight guys that I'll play, seven guys I'll rotate, and five guys I trust. And that's really – I don't know. that I may be butchering that saying. But that's what it always comes down to because there's going to be five guys you trust at the end. And the, how those other parts fit in, it may be at certain parts of the season, like Coleman Hawkins last year. You needed him. He wasn't great for two months. And then you need him at the end. You're going to have some of that because there's enough talent on this team to do it. I just saw our boy uh, – I say that loosely uh, – John Rothstein have a lineup that had uh, R.J. Melendez coming off the bench. And Dane Dane just starting with Coleman Hawkins and Matthew Meyer. Like, I think Meyer's a natural three. Like, I, you know, if you want to pigeonhole him, but he's a three, four, right? And, and what Illinois is going to have him as. Maybe. I, I mean, that's the fun of it is, is competition's a good thing. But um, what do you think of that, Mike? Yeah, I don't want to sit here and just shoot that down and be yeah, like, yeah. oh, my God, RJ Melendez. Like, are you kidding me? RJ Melendez is going to start. This is, this is what – this level is all about RJ Melendez is going to start if RJ Melendez earns it in in the fall like you still have to do that as much as we want to extrapolate and project his 61% shooting from three and whatever his per 40 minutes or numbers looked like he still have to go do it and I think the way you know if he can accept that because that's that's how you unlock this next level of RJ Melendez is him truly feeling that like, Hey, this is an autopilot, man. Like this isn't a situ- the situation where it's like, yeah, I'm the guy, these guys left me now. He's going to find it within himself and, and get the most out of himself. If he truly buys into like, Oh yeah, no, these guys could take my spot because there are guys on this team that could, I say spot, take your spot in the starting lineup. Yep. There's Terrence Shannon, there's Matthew Meyer, there's Coleman Hawkins, who, you know, you slide him more to the four or five, obviously, but Ty Rogers, like there's, they are, there are some dudes on this team. So you, you have to, if you want to get the most out of your team and out of each guy individually, it's, it's all those guys being able to say, all right, yeah, let's go. And that's going to, I guess, create a competitive level of practice. And truly it's going to be sink or swim. And that's what that's what's fun. That's what gets these coaches licking their chops because that that's at the end of it from a player development standpoint. You can do all the skill work you want and say, "Oh, this guy looks amazing in workouts." But when you put guys head to head and it's a toss up, now what? Who's going to be the guy? And I think that's what's going to be fun about this is seeing that maturation process. Not only from the maturation process as, the, as a team and how they mesh and how they get acclimated, but some of these young guys who's like. Cream's going to rise, man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we, we talked a lot, Mike, about that championship experience of the Elite Eight, the Sweet 16, what, whatever the case may be with, with Meyer and Terrence Shannon. And when you have – I mean, obviously they're going to rely on freshmen. We, we can talk about how big of a deal it was that people thought that last year that the rotation didn't lend itself to freshmen. It's definitely going to do that this year. Like, how much does that matter when you have guys – who have hit that second weekend, who have won a national championship like that, that it feels like that stuff that you want these guys to learn when they're 18 years old for they're going to be here two years, three years, whatever the case may be. Well, think about all the Big Ten champions you just lost from this right. team last year. So this is Jeremy. I think you and I were talking about it on a, on a podcast or maybe a film breakdown. But the more guys you can have on 
in your practice facility at practice who have won something and know what that's like and know what it smells like and tastes like and feels like the better because though I talk about like a Luke Goody at RJ Melendez all those guys that played Coleman Hawkins all those guys that played on that team last year I think about Coleman Hawkins in general like hey I sat out for two months I struggled but I waited for my moment and coach trusted me in that that's a testimonial right and look what happened we won a title so you know how, what do I have to complain about you right so that's a that's a use case for a Luke Goody or for any of those guys that get into that situation that Coleman Hawkins was in this year because it could happen and saying hey you know I stuck you know I was about the team and this is the, this that's this was the result we won and and Matthew Meyer and Terrence Shannon look you're talking about like we said one guy won a national championship the other guy's been to elite eight that's something that no one in that Illinois locker room has done and it brings me back to that point of who is going to be that leader. It's tough coming in as a transfer new to the program. You got it. You got to earn some respect to start, but dude, both of these guys resumes should have some respect right off the bat. Right. It's just what they can do with it and how they all mesh. So it's important, man. It's important. And, I, and I'll tie it back in. It's important when you lose a bunch of guys that have won something it, to have more guys on that court that have also won something. Mike, I wanted to bring up, um, all this is so positive. Like, I think Illinois is a top five Big Ten team now. I really do. There's so much talent uh, in this team. And I think uh, I think it's got a chance with so many questions elsewhere in the Big Ten. You know, Indiana is good, but can they shoot? Michigan, who's coming back? Is, is one of Diabate or Houston coming back? Doesn't seem like Houston is. Diabate, I would think, I would probably advise him to go pro. So there's questions around Hunter Dickinson, right, outside of him. Um, Michigan State, I, I like them, but who's playing center? Like, they don't have much of a post presence. Um, all of that is, is to say, like, Illinois has some questions, and I think you're hitting at it is, there's seven new players on this team. Like, how, how does this all gel? Like, Luke Goody, Coleman Hawkins, Brandon Lieb, right, RJ Melendez. Like, these are the guys, Dane Danger. These are the guys that know each other. I guess Danger and uh, – Obviously, Matthew Meyer know each other well, too. But what's that going to be like? I think you were a part of a team that had seven new players on it at some point. That's That's got to be an interesting transition. That's got to be a big job of the coaching staff. Um, I know it's going to happen over practice to figure out roles, but to manage all, all these newcomers. 2013-2014, it was nine. <laughs> nine new guys. 2012-2013, um, my freshman year, we go to the tournament. We're seven seed. And that spring was weird because it was me, it was Tracy, it was Ray, it was Nana, and it was Joe Bertrand. That was it. That was the whole spring. Those were the only guys roaming around the practice facility. It was just us five. And then boom, just, you know, you drop nine new guys on campus. And I think about when you have those nine new guys and seven in this case, it's human nature when you get into a new situation to think about yourself how you're getting acclimated, how you're picking up on the system. And, and the, the really interesting part about this is if you're RJ Melendez, Luke Goody, um, Brandon Lee, Dane Danger, you know, those guys still have things to figure out in, in year two slash three. Like you, you still have things to figure out yourself. So, you know, the quicker that some of these guys that are freshmen, like a Sky Clark, a Jay Neps, Tinsley Harris, Ty Rogers – the quicker they can get themselves up to speed, there's going to be a selfish portion of this where you have to, you know, it's on you to figure out yourself. 
to pick up on the system, to do all those things, how quickly you can do that and then, and then flip it into, you know, pouring yourself into others. That's going to be how quickly this team gels is, all right, I got it. Now who's the next guy that doesn't have it and how can I help him? And that's, that's going to be, that's always the name of the game with these teams. And I'm looking at a Luke Goody. I'm looking at RJ Melendez, even those little things that you may still be working on the things that, you know, pour that into others. If you're Luke Goody, you cannot feel like this is Matthew Meyer. He won a national championship. This is Terrence Shannon. He went to elite eight. I can't tell him anything. He's gone farther. No, you've been in it. You've been in it. Be a leader, whatever that looks like for you, you know, be a leader. It's because someone's going to have to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's hard, right? It's weird. It's, it's, you know, you're going to have guys that come in. It's, it's, it's different, man. It's different. I remember I'll, I'll share this. I'm not going to say who it was, but two weeks into when I was at Illinois, there was a teammate, we were all trying to get acclimated and he and I were in a fist fight two weeks, two weeks into it, an open gym. And he and I ended up being really close after that, but I didn't know him. He didn't know me, but it was just a competitive streak coming out for both of us. And those types of things, I'm not saying there's gonna be a fist fight in open gym in two weeks in, but those types of things happen where you try to create this competitive environment and that's how you get quicker to, to learning who, who you got by your side, who's going to war with you. And like I said before, that's the, that's the fun part of it all, man. Before I let you go, Joey, uh, or hold on. I know. I'll mute Jeremy. Uh, sorry. On, before, before I let you go, Joey, um, Mike, did you land a punch? Um, <laughs> I'll say this. I, I, so I, this is, this is really how it went down. Open gym. This, he, me and this guy were going back and forth. Okay. And I took a charge, right? Open gym, taking a charge. Obviously I'm not, I'm not looking for a call. I'm not looking for any of that. And then we come down again. I get a bucket. And then in my mind, I go, he's going to try to run me over again. So I'm not going for it this time. I'm standing him up. So I put my two arms out and I, I, I don't know, give him a little like two arm shiver. And I've, I've had it. I mean, three times in my career, I got punched in the face. Um, you know, the look, like, you know, the look and this, and this time, like this time I was like, Oh yeah, here we go. He's doing it. And he did. Nana Egu throws his body in there. I end up on the ground. I like Nana just kind of like threw his way in. I end up on the ground, get my wits about me, look up. Said guy is still over me, gets me again. And, you know, I came up the funniest part about it all was he was my lifting partner and we had a lift right after that open gym. Perfect. So he wanted to continue it in the locker room. And I was like, we got a lift, man. Let's go. Like, I didn't, like, I really didn't care because those things happen. You, know, you could, like, talk every team. Those yep. types of things happen. But, you know, we shook hands <laughs> afterwards and, and it was good. And, like, he and I, he and I got pretty close throughout our time there. But yeah, I, I'll say this I did not land a punch. Um, <laughs> he, I think he, he got me 2 0. So. You took him well. You took him well, though. I right. did. Wagner, Mike, I, I want to leave you with this before I jet. Title of this pod, is it Meyer Day weekend or Mullet Day weekend? <laughs> Which one? Both are. I, have to, like, I mean, it's got you got to bring in the mullet, right? I mean. That's what I'm saying. I think it might be gone. I, I need confirmation, but I think the NBA draft combine, Mike, I think he went professional and 
got rid of it. I don't know. I don't know how really? long you can. I don't know how quickly you can grow back a mullet. I don't. I don't have a lot of experience growing hair here. Recently. If it's gone, if it's gone, then let's keep it pertinent. I. I mean. <laughs> Gotcha. gotcha. I mean, that, that works. We gotta I, this out. Yeah. I'm not going to recognize the guy if he's <laughs> if, if he's got no mullet. All right, Wagner, get out of here, man. Have a good weekend. All right, boys. See you. All right, uh, Mike. I'm trying to like think of this team now in in the Big Ten. Teams are going to have issues, like right. I mean, this is going to be an interesting, unique scout for opposing coaches, right? But they're also probably going to attack Illinois in the post, right? Like if you have Cliff Omarui, obviously. I mean, Hunter Dickinson, Zach Eady. I don't know if there's a good one-on-one matchup uh, to go against those guys. But what do you think of, like, how Illinois can play matchups that benefit them a lot and then attack maybe what other teams will attack? Well, you should be able to play less drop coverage this year yeah. defensively. Uh, that's going to that's gonna clear up a lot of things, namely – if you can switch, whether it's one through four or one through five in some cases, depending on what lineups you put out there, it's going to take away those straight line drives. Uh, it's going to take away, you know, those, you know, if you are in drop coverage, you know, it's kind of easy rhythm, Kirk Kreese floaters that we saw during the year. Uh, and, and, you know, drop coverage is, it's designed to force those type of lower percentage looks. Um but look, I think there's a lot of different ways that you can do this. I mean, you can you can blitz. I'd love to see this Illinois team with the length and athleticism that they have. Blitz, you know, uh, a ball handler to where you can zone up on that backside and you got Terrence Shannon, R.J. Melendez playing free safety. Right? It's part of the reason. I remember R.J.'s dunk in the, in the tournament when he got the tee. I mean, he, he picked off a pass, just kind of in Roman playing that free safety. And there could be a lot of that. You, what, you, what you don't want to do is have all this length and have all this versatility and not use it, right? right? So it's, it's the blitzing, it's the switching, it's finding ways to say, and this is the, I'll take it a step further, that lineup that I mentioned, Sky, RJ, Ty, Matthew Meyer, Coleman Hawkins, Dane Danger, there's certain, like, the switching is great, but can you rebound out of the switches? And I think with this group, you can't you can rebound at a high level with those guys. Ty Rogers flies around. RJ Melendez flies around. Matthew Meyer, you know, rebounds at, at a pretty solid rate, five a game last year. And so I think, you know, there's a lot you can do. And then offensively, run, 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 run. Uh, that's just, that's just gotta be it. And, and we talked about the Terrence Shannon breakdown. It's not just running to shoot early. It's running to create three on twos, two on ones, one on ones for a lot of these guys. That's, that's why it works. So I, I mentioned at the end of the, of the Terrence Shannon film breakdown, this team's going to be tougher to scout, right? It's no longer, here's our post defense. We're going to rep all week because we're playing Kofi Coburn or here's, they're going to play drop coverage. There's just more unpredictability. And, yeah. and I look at, I look, look at this Mavs Warriors series that just happened. The Mavs could just never really get in a rhythm because they box in one dude, you know, the Warriors box in one dude, they three, two zone, they, they blitz. They went straight man. You can do a lot of that. And what that does to an offense's rhythm is just as important as what you're actually running defensively. Because if they're not getting shots in their normal offense, those percentages are going to be lower. So a lot you can do with it. And I think that's that's the reason why you should be excited. Yeah, you're mentioning the defensive end, and that's where I think this team's going to be great. Like, like, and then, of course, transition leads to offense. And we got to remember, like, this is a bad layup-making team. 
last year. That, yeah. that should change, right? I mean, you get Terrence Shannon, RJ Melendez into a bigger role. We know Coleman can run and dunk. We know he can finish. And then obviously Matthew Meyer can do that as well. And and now you get Sky Clark and Jade Nepps that can probably get to the basket a heck of a lot better than, you know, Trent Frazier did a lot of good things getting to the basket and finishing with, and getting to the free throw line. There's not one of them. There's another one. Free throws. Like it wasn't a good team that could get to the free throw line that much outside of, outside of Kofi Coburn. So, yeah, I think they should be really good defensively, Mike. Um, I think I think offensively, it's going to take a while to get into a rhythm in the half court, right? Like, who is the guy? Is, can Sky Clark handle all that right away? Uh, Terrence Shannon not as good in the half court. Matthew Meyer, you mentioned last year with with Baylor, probably took some four shots, uh, maybe not yeah. as open shots as he did in years past. Yeah, I think that's – we mentioned the role identification part of it. And regardless of who ends up being that guy, you're going to need a guy that believes he's that guy. And you need to have a team that, however that shakes out, that they know that. But I think you're in a position now to have guys where it's if it's late clock, you got a lot of different options. You know, you, you got some solid shooters – to where you could slip out of a lot of things, you know, using the, you know, it's like Alfonso Plummer. If you can use Alfonso Plummer in certain ways, you know, it's not just about getting him a shot. It's the ripple effect of him flying off of a down screen of him flying off of a floppy action underneath the basket, because it opens up, it puts your defense on high alert. You may get a guy that, that pops out to help and you can slip out of it. You just, I, I think this, <laughs> Underwood and the staff are going to have a field day with the stuff that they can draw up with, with all that they can do offensively and defensively with this team. And that's not to say that they couldn't before, but when you have a first team all American like Kofi Coburn, it would be coaching malpractice to be like, you know what? These next 15 possessions, let's disregard the guy that has a bigger advantage than anybody in college basketball underneath the basket. So, um, I'm excited. I, I just think there's part of the fun of this is going to be figuring all that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's going to be some surprises this year. We can, we can map it out however we want. The coaches can map it out however they want. And we're going to be in mid February. Like, Oh, this guy, right. You know, we thought maybe this guy would blossom a little bit, but man, he's been, you have that type of talent on this team. So that, that, that feeds into a lot of that. Uh, intrigue I guess yeah you were talking about RJ Melendez before and you know we're kind of expecting him to take a leap maybe be a double digit score maybe that doesn't happen now but maybe that's not a bad thing for for Illinois I mean he's but he still could do it I I think we I'm sitting here thinking about the leadership and who's the go-to guy and I think man it'd be great if Sky Clark is that guy because he's got leadership qualities now he's going to be that with 20 something year old guys on the team with, with the transfers I'm not sure but he would be the ideal guy. So if you can have a Malachi Branham type player, and then all of a sudden he's a leader as well, I, I think that'd be great. That's a possibility. It might not happen. But if not, Jade Nepps can be a really good player. Um, Ty Rogers, uh, you, you mentioned a guy in mid-February that we could be like, wow, he's, he's really taken off. I think he can be that kind of guy too. And maybe somebody at the end of the year or two people aren't very happy about their role, Mike, but that's what happens in good programs, right? Baylor being one of them. Well, think about, yeah, think about the freshmen too. I'll always go back to this. If you're guarding, you'll be, that's your ticket. That's your ticket onto the floor for all those freshmen. So I I think about a guy like Sincere Harris, 
right? Where you say, if there's a guy that you could be surprised about later on in the year, where you're like, man, he's getting 17 minutes a game. It's going to be because he's guarding. Mm-hmm. It's going to be because Ty Rogers is guarding. So th- like those guys, I, it's this Brad Underwood team, these Brad Underwood teams, one thing you shouldn't be surprised about is like, if you're not guarding, you can't play like we're, we're not going to play you as much as you probably want to. So that's that step for RJ Melendez. That's that step for Luke Goody, whoever it may be. That's not going to change. You still need to guard and guard at a high level because like we talk about the, the, the ball skills, some of these guys have on this team. And like we talk about the versatility, some of these guys on this team, there's going to be guys on this team that can guard and can guard at a high level. So everybody's got to be on their P's and Q's in that department. Uh, Mike, before I let you go, and I'll let you go here, um, this ain't no rebuild, right? Like th- This is a retool. I mean, Brad Underwood, Tim Anderson, what he's done. Brad Underwood, I think, was was one of the leaders here. Obviously, I think Anderson played a role. And you know, obviously, Chester Frazier's done great. Jeff Alexander's created some, some relationships here. But all of it, it's amazing where they were a year ago. They win a share of the Big Ten title anyway. Uh, and now we're looking at this team with – realistically top five expectations and big 10 title contention again it's just kudos to this staff and, and i was going to ask you how do you think brad underwood like i think this is probably as excited as he's probably ever been about his program because they've obviously done a lot accomplished a lot they need to accomplish more in march but i think this is the type of team he wants to coach like the style he wants to coach and the fact that he can have he can lose that much and still have a great team i think he's got to feel great about where he's at yeah, I think it reaffirms a lot of things. Number one, you have all this success with Io, right? And then you have all this success with Kofi. And I think as a coach, and I'm, I'm not saying that this is what every coach thinks, but sure, there's an element to you where it's like, yeah, no, this reaffirms that we're a program, right? We're not just players, we're a program. We've turned out a lot of really good players. We've turned out players that, you know, I think Kofi's going to wear an NBA jersey at some point. Iowa's, Iowa's second team all rookie in the NBA. And now you you get into this inflection point of we won a Big Ten title. We lost the first team All-American. We lost a guy that's a, two guys, really, if you want to put Trent and DeMonte in that bucket of just kind of heart and soul guys who have been there from the beginning. We lose all of this, and we somehow have just almost just as much excitement heading into the next season. It's incredible. I was going to mention, Mike, just to interject here, you have two guys right now that were in ESPN's 2023 mock draft, and Gavoni is really tied in, right? Like Coleman Hawkins, Terrence Shannon, and Matthew Meyer was just at the NBA draft combine. So yeah. all of a sudden, instead of just one draft pick, like I don't know if all those guys get drafted, but you're starting to stack that talent with guys like Sky Clark, Ty Rogers, RJ Melendez, who could have NBA potential. You're right, man. Like that, That's a program. And, and I'll say this too. I'll take it a step further. The NBA aspect of it, right? And we, we can't, as as fans or as, you know, whatever your role is with Illinois basketball or college basketball in general, you still have to have a solid foundation. You still have to have run really good stuff. You still have to have extreme buy-in from your team because we've seen over the years. It's funny. I was watching it. So all the Brady Manic comparisons for Matthew Meyer. Yeah. What was funny to me was I think I think Matthew Meyer is closer to like an Abdul Nader than he is uh, Brady Manic because Abdul Nader was a guy that you know although reckless at times 
you know, was a guy that was six, 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 seven. I know Myers a little bit bigger than that, but solid athlete could shoot it, you know, wiry. And that's kind of who he is. And I was watching some Abdul Nader and I go back to that, that time that they got bounced in the tournament to UAB back in, I think 2014 or 15, I think 2014, they had Monty Morris. They had Abdul Nader, who was a draft pick. They had Georges Niang. Uh, I think Naz Long might have played some NBA minutes for the Utah Jazz. You go on their sports reference, there's a lot of NBA logos next to that Iowa State team that got bounced in the first round. So you still have – like, just because you have the NBA talent and just because you have those guys, that doesn't say – like, you can't just get those guys and they're like, hey, man, we actually booked your tickets to the Sweet 16 next year. Congratulations on your NBA talent. Like, it still always has to mesh, and that's what's so fun about college basketball is just how they're going to do this, the way in which they do it. That's It should reaffirm a lot of things for Brad Underwood and the staff of, like, hey, doesn't matter who we bring in here. We're going to get the most out of the talent, and we're going to compete for Big Ten titles every single year because the, the winning over a three-year – I know we've done a lot of the last three years, Illinois basketball. This should be the next step of that sustained winning. Now you start talking about the last five years, the last 10 years, and those are the stats that you start rolling out because that's what a program is. That's sustained winning. And I think they've put themselves in a position with the staff, with their player development, with the, the pieces that they brought in here, both out of high school and both in the transfer portal. You're in a position to have some sustained, sustained success here. Well said, Mike. I couldn't say it any better than that. Uh, just a, a happy Friday uh, for for Illinois basketball and, and all their fans, man. And appreciate you giving, uh, coming on uh, short notice and, and giving us your thoughts as always. And I'm sure uh, in the next week or so, we'll, we'll, we'll tap you for a, a film room breakdown here of Matthew Meyer. I, I texted you earlier today and just said, we should have some fireworks here in the next two weeks, right? Or in the next week, something's got something's to happen. I didn't know it would be in three hours after I sent that text, but... <laughs> Man, it's going to be exciting. Yeah. Uh, Great stuff, Mike. Have a great weekend, man. All right, man. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this podcast isn't over just because Michael Toop and uh, Joey Wagner left. We've got a revolving door of great guests here. And now let's bring on the man, Derek Piper, Illini Inquirer. We thought at some point something big would happen or, you know, that Illinois would add a player. Didn't know it'd probably be the number one guy on their board, it seems like. And uh, Matthew Meyer, we, we've heard, Derek, I know you've known for a couple months, Illinois would have loved to have added him. Then he hits the transfer portal, goes through the draft process, but now he commits to Illinois over North Carolina, over Texas Tech, over Memphis and Penny Hardaway in his golf cart. Illinois lands Matthew Meyer. What was your reaction when you got the news? Honestly, a lot of surprise uh, because of the 
North Carolina buzz or just even the perceived fit there with Brady Manick leaving and bringing back the other four starters and having a chance to be a national title top contender with Matthew Meyer would make a lot of sense in terms of the basketball fit. I think also just the appeal of UNC and knowing uh, NIL last year, the battle you had with Dawson Garcia, that being involved and falling short there. We knew all along or for a while now that a little bit prior to Matthew Meyer being in the portal and then afterwards that Illinois was prepared to make a big push once he became available. There was a prior relationship with Brad Underwood having recruited him at Oklahoma State. And as Brad is making more and more of a push to be more positionally versatile, to have more length, more athleticism, more shot making across the board and do some different things with his play style, I think it made a lot of sense. And there was a lot of intrigue in what that could ultimately look like if he were to be added. So uh, Illinois has been pressing hard. Mayor pulls or Meyer pulls out of the draft and uh, you knew that they would be heavily involved, but I've been personally expecting UNC uh, up until this point, but uh, as you dig in a little bit afterwards, and Illinois has done a good job of being stealthy uh, in a lot of ways. And not to say that this has been uh, there the whole time, but they managed to pull it off. And I know there was some there was some confidence throughout the the process that you know they, they'd have a good chance to get it done, and they do. And uh, you said it before we hopped on there. I mean, Bradwood talked about or he's discussed looking more like Baylor. Well, he's he's taking guys from Baylor, so that's uh. I mean, next year's team is going to be so fun to watch. I mean, this, the style of play they're going to – the brand of basketball they're going to have up and down, what they can do defensively. A lot of fun there in Champaign coming up this fall. All right, Derek, how did they land him? What what was the relationship? What was the the play style, the, the basketball fit? And we saw early on – I forgot who the reporter was, uh, Andrew Slater, right, that said NIL would be a big deal – Oh, no, I had some extra NIL deal dollars probably sitting around after Kofi Coburn went pro. So all of that, how, how did, how did Illinois sell Matthew Meyer to get him? I think learning now after the fact and uh, learning a little bit more about the backstory here, Tim Anderson was very involved and a very important end here for Illinois to be able to pull this off. Tim having been involved in pre-draft workouts after last year when he left DePaul prior to being hired at Illinois. And then in his, his past, he's worked out a lot of guys, as we've talked about with Pete Nance, like he worked out Larry Nance Jr. Uh, I didn't know this until today that he worked out Matthew Meyer last offseason. And that was prior to taking the job at Illinois. Uh, Priority Sports is a sports agency up there in Chicago. And uh, CEO is an Illini alum. And Tim has worked out a lot of their guys through the years. And uh, it sounds like Tim is just very plugged into that agency, and uh, that's where Matthew Meyer was working out prior to the draft combine. Um, so that was has, one. Has that... anyone made a bigger impact in one year <laughs> than Tim Anderson? I mean, think of think of this: Sky Clark, the relationship there; Ty Rogers, the relationship there; Matthew Meyer, right? Terrence Shannon who I think he got to commit to DePaul at one point. Uh, and then you go to 2024 with ZZ Clark and Merez Johnson. I've never seen, I've never seen a year of recruiting like that. Um, I, I'm trying to even think like, I don't pay attention to every other school, but maybe John Shire at Duke. <laughs> it's, it's about the only other guy in the competition. There. Yeah. He hasn't even been on the job for a full calendar year yet. And he's gotten Meyer. You can call him the lead recruiter. Yeah. Brad has a, 
a long-standing relationship. At least he's known him for a while. But uh, to learn more about this with Tim and Terrence Shannon and Sky Clark to pull that one, uh, which was at the time like, oh wow, really? Sky Clark, a former five-star guard, highly rated in that class, and uh, Ty Rogers too. I mean, out of Michigan State's backyard, like what a year! I, I don't know. It, it's hard to to find that. I know that when Shen was here, getting IO and getting Adam Miller, they're saying. Uh, you know, first time Illinois has been doing this since Lou Henson's staff. Uh, so I, I think that now you look at Tim and it's it's pretty crazy. And he he deserves all the credit there. And it's funny, we go back to that insistent coach search and talking about Mike Miniga and all these different names. And Tim was one that came up rather early. And we said, you know, it makes sense, a Chicago guy. And uh, I'll even say it, you know, not to do like a name drop or anything, but I was talking to D Brown who, uh, you know, obviously in the industry and curious what his thoughts were, but he spent a year on the mean street staff and Tim was with mean streets at the time. He said, I think they should hire Tim. I think Tim would be an outstanding hire there. And he was extremely right there. He said, you know, Tim would be really interested at Illinois. Illinois would mean a lot to him. And uh, as we've seen here, Tim has been just absolutely dynamite with the Illini. I interrupted you, Derek. The basketball sell, what was that? And, and what was the NIL sell as well? Yeah, for basketball, you know, at Baylor was a starter last year. And so he's had a big role. And then on the national title team two years ago was a role piece that came off the bench and it was pretty valuable in what he was able to do. Now he's more of a marquee player, I think. Not that he wouldn't be if he went back to Baylor this past year, but with Illinois – him and Terrence Shannon Jr. are the two most proven players on your roster. And I think that as you look at – it's not like Illinois is going to play completely different to Baylor. Like Baylor's up-tempo, switching defensively. So there is kind of that fit with what Illinois wants to do and what Meyer has done in the past. I think that also Tim's experience developing players is something that goes into it. And obviously his agency respects Tim enough with giving him their guys to work out. So there's kind of that – parallel as well so uh, growing his game getting more ready for the NBA combine uh, playing in a system where he can be a marquee player play style that's familiar I think that in terms of basketball fit and then I think you know Brad Underwood and uh, the way he wants to play what he values I mean Meyer is a, a tough dude a dude that's got swagger a confident guy uh, and is, is an energy guy too so I think that he he vibes very well with Brad and uh, NIL wise you said it with Kofi, the commitment by the Illinois alumni base, fan base, whatever tie there that those who want to be involved, there's there's a big involvement. There's a big push. And uh, Illinois is very hungry to be as high as they can be in the food chain. And it's not as simple as saying, okay, here's my money for Kofi. Kofi doesn't come back. It's still in a pool there. We'll just give it to whoever. But, yeah, I mean, there is that commitment to they, – they had a big number for Kofi if he were to come back. And then, obviously, there's been conversations. Oh, you can get these other players, Terrence Shannon Jr., Matthew Meyer, and – Sky Clark. Uh, I mean, Sky Clark. <laughs> and knowing what that can mean. I, I think Illinois fans and those interested in watching Illinois basketball have enjoyed this nice run of success, and they want to see it continue. And uh, they know now what it takes and, and just the ability to participate in it. Because in the past, they've said – a lot of Atlanta fans have sat back and complained and said, you know, well – this school, Kansas, Duke, you know, whatever is doing this and we don't, we can't compete with that. Well, now there's more, there's avenues to, to do it legally and Illinois is, is trying to play big boy basketball. So what is Meyer's role on this team, Derek? And you mentioned 
it's going to be a fun team to watch. Uh, it'll take time. Uh, I'm really interested to see how these pieces fit, who emerges as kind of the go-to guys, the leaders of this team. Uh, but how does Matthew Meyer impact this team? I think that he's going to be a starter, obviously. He's going to be one of your more proven players. I think he's got an opportunity to take a leadership role. I'm sure that Brad would like to see that just based on how much winning he's done. I think there's a lot of respect with how they do things at Baylor and what that program has been. So to bring that over to these younger guys and to take a guy like Ty Rogers kind of under his wing, knowing that there's a lot of, there's some similarities there in terms of positional versatility and uh, switching defensively. So uh, there are some decisions for Brad to make in terms of how you round out this starting five. I think you could Sit, you could throw one out there where maybe you slide Coleman to the five and Coleman's your starting five. You just go completely long and versatile and athletic with Coleman at the five, Mayer at the four, Terrence Shannon, RJ Melendez on the wings, and then Sky Clark, or maybe you're going to stick with Dane. And, and we'll, you'll have to see what he ultimately develops into, and maybe one of those guys in that mix would then come off the bench. So someone, whether it be Dane or one of those other guys mentioned, is going to have to to play a role maybe – off the bench but yeah Meyer's someone that well last year didn't shoot the three as well the year that he was on the national title team shot 40 percent from three so has that ability he's a guy that can push the ball in transition he's someone that can make a play off the bounce and go to the rim and defensively his numbers analytically haven't been like oh this is one of the best defenders out there but his ability to switch and be versatile is valuable so I think that he fits into some kind of mode of we're going to switch maybe two through four with Shannon, RJ and Meyer. And we're going to probably need to trap the post based on how it looks right now. If you're facing Zach Eady, or if you're facing Hunter Dickinson, which I mean, worked out well for Houston trapping Kofi. I know Kofi had a really good game, but uh, that's a route you might go. And one th thing that was said to me after this happened is we're not going to look like a big 10 team, but we're going to be ready for the NCAA tournament. We're built to win in March. So that's been a, a theme now that's played out. And I think that anyone looking at a projected roster certainly sees that as well. Yeah. I think that's a, a good reaction to what's happened the last couple of years, right? Like you don't apologize for Kofi and, and what he did for the program and what IO did for, the, for all those guys. Like there's nothing wrong with that, but you weren't as versatile as you needed to be. And whether it was injury with Jacob Grandison or, you know, just a bad matchup with Loyola, you now are more matchup proof, right? Like, so yes, Zach Eady is a problem. Well, Zach Eady is a problem for everybody. Hunter Dickinson's a problem for everybody. Now you have more things to throw at them and a bigger advantage elsewhere, right? Like you have guards who can get to the rim, get to the free throw line. You have way more length and you can shorten the floor and you don't have to play drop coverage all the time. Like you just have... It's going to be a process, Derek, to get it there. But, man, by February or March, I think you can look like Michigan did at the end of the year. And I know Illinois fans don't like Michigan, but we saw them turning the corner. And you're like, man, I wouldn't want to play them in the NCAA tournament. And Tennessee, to their unfortune, had to, had to play Michigan. It was really tough. I certainly agree. And I think that the way Brad Underwood teams have progressed would even play into that as well, is that as – it goes into January and February and you start to build some momentum. And I know there's been uh, hitting kind of a wall as you get to the NCAA tournament, but, but like you were saying, there is more versatility and matchups. Like 
you can't pick out Alfonso Plummer uh, on this team or smaller guards that you're going to attack with big wings, bigger guards, and be able to take for as good as Trent Frazier was of a defender, be able to take him to the basket. Like if you put Terrence Shannon Jr. on whoever's going to be the next Malachi Branham, like I think that would certainly help that in terms of a matchup. And uh, yeah, you're going to have to in the big 10 survive of having more guys hit the glass. So you don't have Kofi, maybe doing some things, trapping defensively, which I think Brad might actually welcome and like because he's done some of that in the past. It's worked well, creating turnovers, turning that into offense. And we see it in in the tournament, like floor spacing, big guys that can step away from the paint, multiple guys outside of your point guard who can go make a play off the dribble and go to the rim and get fouled or make a basket. Like this roster is more suited for that. And there's a lot of excitement about I think we've talked about it before. It'll be just new faces, watching younger players progress and develop is all exciting things for fans to see. But I just think the brand of basketball, they're going to play up and down and pressure defensively, versatile defensively, multiple guys that can take it. Like it's going to be a really fun, unique style of basketball that we haven't seen. I don't remember seeing it in Illinois. And uh, I know the final line, I were pretty positionless per se. I'm not saying they're going to be them, but uh, it's going to be a, a really fun type of basketball. And I know it didn't work out for this team at the end, but that's what made Iowa so different. And I think so difficult for people last year, obviously Keegan Murray is a next level player, but part of what makes him so difficult. And Chris Murray was how long athletic they were. They were tough. They got up and down the floor. Like they played like a big 12 team. And I think the style of play is a reason the big 10 uh, and, and obviously talent is a part of that, but Boy, Derek, Illinois is starting to look like one of those great Big 12 teams like Baylor. Um, Iowa State has played that way uh, in, in the past decade or so under many coaches. Like, this is amazing that the reload they have had here, the retool. It's seven new players, but man, like, this is one of the best recruiting halls in the country. This is what Illinois fans have wanted for years, right? Is, hey, we bring in some great players, you have success with them. And then when they leave, oh, we just we just get a bunch more left. There's no fall off here. A top 10 recruiting class, two of the top 10 transfers out there available. We need to look at Meyer and Terrence Shannon Jr. And I, not to say that we completely passed off the idea of Brad loading up uh, and being able to have some answers for Trent Frazier's leaving, Plummer's leaving. Oh, Curbelo's going to transfer, which wasn't expected at the beginning of the year. You lose Kofi, like – this staff has shown the ability to pivot. And then now that they're, as they've, by their own you know, phrasing, like they're more sexy now. So they have the ability to go out and, and be more attractive as a destination. But yeah, imagine if you would have, if we would have said on a podcast, like, okay, it's February. Kofi's going to leave after this year. Corbello's going to transfer. You're going to lose, obviously, Trent and Plummer and everything. And I'd be like, wow, like, how does, how do they figure that out? Yes, they do have a, a good class, but those are freshmen. Now you throw Shannon in that mix and Meyer in that mix. Those are big answers. Those are big veterans coming. Two really good players from the Big 12 coming. And a top 30 guard, oh, by the way. Yeah, yeah, Scott Clark <laughs> at the very end of that too. So uh, very exciting, and uh, you, you certainly can't argue with that. And, I mean, Indiana's been getting a lot of love as the, the Big Ten title favorite potentially going forward. I'm not saying that Illinois undoubtedly surpasses them with this, but uh, there's a case to be made in terms of Illinois being right there at the top as well and having a chance to defend their crown. Is Pete Nance out of the question now, Derek? 
I keep hearing he's staying in the draft, but uh, until he says for sure, uh, then I, I think communication is still open with Illinois and him. At least it was earlier in the week. I think there'd still be interest in adding Pete Nance for sure. If he were to say he's coming back to school, another priority, priority sports guy, which, which guy, the, the fan that's freaking out about that, pissing somebody off. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. I know. <laughs> like I, I, at that point, like, you just keep adding as good a talent as you can. And, you know, I was – well, Tulip and I were talking. Like, Terrence Shannon's an NBA prospect. Coleman Hawkins is an NBA prospect. Matthew Meyer is an NBA prospect. Like, Pete Nance is an NBA pro- – like, keep them coming. Keep them coming. RJ could be one. Yeah, RJ could Scott be Clark one. Clark has a chance to be one. Yeah. Keep them coming. Um, so, yeah, if, if not Nance, obviously, uh, if he does stick in the NBA draft – are they done? Uh, is he going to really take two scholarships? I mean, I get one, but I would imagine they try to look for some, some post help, right? Yeah. I don't think in an ideal world, they'll keep two open. I know that there is value in keeping one, but there is interest in adding a backup five man. And that's not to say, again, we have to figure out who's starting at the five, but more help there. When you lose a Benjamin Bossman's Redonk, just having someone in the rotation, knowing that Brandon leaves not expected to, help you a ton at the five knowing that Meyer playing him at the five wouldn't be ideal just because he's he's only 225 pounds and he could could do that in some real like small ball whatever unique style of lineup you want to call it but even Coleman as a five man there's going to be some some matchups where he's not as strong as as certain guys are going to play that position so uh, a backup five who can rebound and and defend fives is probably something they're interested in and then I think we still got to wait and see is Courtney Ramey a, a legit possibility? Are they are they going to be interested in a veteran guard? I, we haven't. I don't think the door is shut on that. I, I think as we learn more and more. I mean, Ramey's been really quiet through this whole process. I don't think we know a ton on him in general. But uh, beyond him, if it's not Courtney, there's not a lot of other guys that we can really point to. So maybe it's not. Maybe they're willing willing to roll with their their freshman point guards. But I think that that's also another thing that I would keep in mind if if a good situation and the right fit opened up. The the great part about this, Derek, is I think we both expect Clark and Epps to play pretty big roles here. Um, and if, if one of those guys struggles and Harris is awesome as a defender, maybe he can play that role. You feel like with Shannon, Malen- those are guys that can play the two, right? And, and Meyer can slide to the th- All of a sudden, like, you push guys down maybe one. I know Coleman Hawkins maybe gets pushed up to the five, but he's got so many options so many options that you can you can tinker with and brad underwood's got to be salivating right now (laughs) yeah definitely it's not like you can't run offense outside of your point guard like you could put the ball in shannon's hands and and be able to have him go to the rim be able to get fouled you can have coleman do some things off the dribble rj's got some ability off the dribble meyer ty rogers is in like a point forward role is he gonna be ready for that as a freshman i don't know but He's, I mean, he's at the USA basketball camp right now for a reason. He's a very talented player as well. So, yeah, I think that all the things we talked about, different ways you can run offense, different ways you can defend, all these different options, it's it's pretty exciting. The staff's fired up about this one, and they definitely should be. Well, the Illini staff, they got the closers, whether it's Brad Underwood, Tim Anderson, they closed it well. We closed this mega podcast really well with our closer, Derek Piper. Pipes, uh, it's an exciting offseason. We knew it would be an exciting offseason. I didn't know if it'd be 
quite this exciting, especially today. I was out for a walk. Right. <laughs> just <laughs> just got, got a couple blocks away from home, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, here we go. Uh, but thanks for the time, man. Always fun, especially these. These are a lot of fun. I'm sure everyone's going to enjoy listening to this one. But, yeah, that was a nice surprise on Friday, and now I got to gear up. I'm getting in the car, driving to Louisville, see some EYBL this weekend, so was, stay tuned to the site. I was going to say, can you tell the staff, let's get on this 23 class already, right? The board needs yeah. some more some more stuff already. Myers, old What's news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, we need to know who's next. That's what everybody wants to know. So we're going to go try to figure that out in Louisville this weekend. At least report back on what we see, and why not inquire? You want to check us out. Safe travels, Derek. Get back in your habitat out there on the EYBL circuit. And uh, thanks to everybody for listening to the Atlanta Inquirer podcast. This was a fun one. Thanks to Joey Wagner. Uh, thanks as well to Michael Tulip for his time. Thanks to Trevor Valise for, for producing this and everything. We appreciate him uh, putting up all of this stuff on YouTube as well. So you can check us out there uh, with a lot of video content. But everyone, have a great weekend. I know it's a great start to all your weekends. And we'll have much more content at IlliniInquirer.com. So everybody, take care. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next time on the Online Choir Podcast. Thank you.